Years ago, I was up at a club um, in, in New York called the Crane Club. All right, I was actually up there with Russell and Q-Tip, right? And Kenny, Kenny, Kenny Lee, um, the our driver. Okay, um, Kenny Lee, the driver. Uh, we was riding, going downtown, and Tip asked Russell a question about what is it that makes him like choose an artist. And Russell couldn't have been more clearer than the same way I feel when I see a comedian. It's about originality. It's about seeing something that you never saw before. That's when you know that you saw it. You're listening to Creative Breakthrough, the podcast that provides you with the strategies to elevate your creative passion to the next level. I'm your host, creative hustler, and chicken wing lover, Shireen Kassam, a.k.a. The Funny Brown Girl. And yes, I have an unhealthy obsession with chicken wings. Now, get ready to flex your creative muscle and keep winning. Hey, welcome to The Creative Breakthrough. I am your host, Shireen Kassam, a.k.a. The Funny Brown Girl. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this is your first time, welcome. You're in for a treat. If you are a a uh, dedicated listener to this podcast from day one. You're an OG. I can't thank you enough. I am so grateful for you. Um, while you guys are listening to this podcast, a uh, huge favor to ask you, hit that share button. If you're listening to this podcast on your phone right now, on your mobile device, your smart device, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, hit that share button, share it to your social media, share it with a friend who might enjoy this. Let other people know about this podcast because that's how more and more people find out about this podcast. And I love it, love it, love it when more and more people are getting use and getting the advice they need from this podcast. The whole idea behind this podcast is to provide you mentorship, to give you that informal mentorship that maybe you don't have, to learn how to become an actor, how to become a screenwriter, how to become a film producer, and not just become them, but be successful at it, win at it, be the best at it. And so that's why I find the guests that I do to help us all elevate our creative journeys. And trust me, I get as much out of these conversations as I hope you guys are getting out of these conversations. So let's continue that uh, momentum and let's keep sharing this podcast. Uh, write a review if you can. Those also really help us find more listeners as well. So I also want to just say thank you from the bottom of my heart to those of you who for tuning in because without you, this podcast would not be what it is. Um, I know I think last week we were trending in Nigeria. We're still trending in Nigeria. We're now trending in India as well and Lebanon. So I've lost track of how many countries we are in the top 100 podcasts for, but it is growing every week and I love it because that just means we're impacting people all over the world. And like, that's just, that is such a great feeling, especially right now when there's not a lot to feel hopeful for. The idea is like, we can feel hopeful that we're still working on our art. We're still working on our creative passions and we're still elevating ourselves. And so that's really awesome that you guys are using this time productively. Okay. This week, we continue our conversation with the founder of Def J. This week, we've. So this week, we continue our conversation with the founder of Def Comedy Jam, Bob Sumner. But. I also want to tell you guys a little bit about how the rest of the season is going to go before we jump in. This season, I want to spend a lot about a lot of our time talking about how to monetize your creative passion, how to create side hustles, how to basically make money doing what you love. 
And I know a lot of people say to me, but if I love it, I shouldn't have to make money from it. Can it just be something I love? And like, can I just not do it on the side alongside my real job? You totally can. But here's the thing for a lot of us, I would hope that you would want to make your creative passion, your, your love for something into your real hustle, into your full-time gig. And to do that, you need to make money so that you can buy food and put a, put a roof over your head. Um, it also goes to show you, like, if you start charging for your art, that you value your art, you, there's value to what you're doing. And so I understand, like, you want to give it, give it away for free because either you're new to the performance space or the art space, or because you don't want it to be your full-time job. But at the end of the day, you also need to put value on what that art is. On the flip side, if you are somebody who say is like a a high profile lawyer, right? And you have all this money coming in and then you decide to go be a musician. And now you're going to say yes to gigs for free. Think about all the musicians out there who are actually need the money, who are doing this full time. And so by you saying you're going to do it for free, you've set a new precedence now. So now the producers of those shows are always going to come to you to do those shows because you're going to do it for free and you're putting out people from work who really need that money. So it's, it's, it's also a two-sided street, right? You can't do things for free all the time because you're hurting the industry. You're hurting your other peers in the space in terms of what they can charge. Um, so don't always just look at it like it's my, it's my passion and it's something I love to do, but I don't want to make money out of it because you've also got to think about what money you're taking away from other people's plates. Now, I wanted to talk a little bit about this right now because we're going to get into this in season two, but I wanted to put a little bit, little bit of snippets out there or some advice out there because a lot of my coaching clients right now have been asking me this question. They're like, Shereen, the clubs in my city are opening up. The performance spaces in my cities are opening up. And producers are calling them to come and perform and they don't want to pay them. And they're, they're saying that they're saying that we're in the middle of COVID. We can't, you shouldn't, you shouldn't ask for money. Like you should want to make people laugh. People need to laugh. People, people desire to laugh because it's been such a sad couple of months. And so you should do this for free. So this is the question you need to ask back when someone calls you or reaches out to you through social media to do a show or to perform or to display your art or to teach a class on something are they getting paid? Is the producer charging for tickets? Is the producer charging for anything? Are they going to be making any money off of this? Because if they're making money, they're making money off of you. So you should also be making money. Does that make sense? You should be benefiting from the financial gains of this as well. Now, let me tell you something else. It is true. People need to laugh. It is true that people are depressed. It is true that there is a recession coming about, that people are struggling financially, that unemployment is the highest it's ever been. People are scaling back their spending. I understand that and I totally agree. But on the flip side, people are still making their monthly payments for their Netflix subscription, their Hulu, their Disney Plus. People are still going on Amazon and buying things they don't need. People are still ordering takeout, right? So there is that discretionary money people are still spending. So why should you charge less than you're worth? Netflix is not charging anything less. They're not giving a COVID discount. So you don't need to give a COVID discount. Now, I understand that you're like, well, they're not going to pay me, but I really want to be up there on stage. I really want to be performing. Like I'll do it for free. Yes. So you're going to start doing it for free because of COVID, right? But what if COVID doesn't go away, right? What if COVID is here for for a while? And I I don't want to sound like negative Nancy or depressing, but there's a chance COVID could be around for another year. So what are you going to go perform for free for a whole nother year? How are you going to pay for your food? How are you going to put a, a roof over your head? And I know some of you are like, well, I have a job. I had a job too. And then look what happened in April. I got my job went away 
and I didn't have a job anymore. And I was lucky that I had my comedy and I had my acting to lean on and this podcast to lean on to make money and to have money in my pockets, right? So you have to be prepared for the future and you have to be prepared for what's going to happen. You also have to think about it this way. If you say you're okay not getting paid right now because of COVID, right? Why should the producers pay you once COVID is over? Because they've been making money this whole time and you've been okay with it. So what changes once COVID goes away? They're still going to be making money. Why should you start making money? So you've got to think about this as a bigger picture. This is a long-term strategy, not just a short-term strategy. Okay. Now, if you're new to the scene, like you're still trying to get your foot in the water, you're still trying to understand where you stand, then that's fine. Go do shows for free. But Don't let people take advantage of you. Do not let people take advantage of you. That is the number one thing I tell artists and creatives. People are going to try to take advantage of you. They think that you're not smart. They're not in in the, in the sense that you're not business savvy, that you're so dedicated to performing that they can, they can, they can pull a fast one on you. And they're going to use words like you're going to grow your social media following. You're going to get exposure. You're going to meet a ton of people who might book you for another show. That is all fine and dandy, but that doesn't pay your rent and put a roof over your head. Okay. So don't, don't let those people take advantage of you. Another thing to be wary of is that people are paying. There are people out there paying, paying for stuff, but the thing is is that they're paying really, they're paying lower than the market value of what you're worth. And let me give you an example. So I do acting. I do acting for commercials. Now, pre-COVID, you would come to me and say, I want to put you in my commercial, Shireen. I'm going to give you anywhere between $1,500 and $2,000 US dollars, right? And then in the contract, it'll say that they will only get to use your footage in the image of me for one year. That's called a buyout. It's a one-year buyout for a commercial and you get $2,000. End of story. If after one year they want to continue using your footage and your image, then they would renegotiate a contract with you. Now, today in COVID times, what's happening is that people are coming at me and saying, I want you to do this commercial. I'm only going to pay you $400 and I want to have the buyout for life, meaning I can use your image and your video footage for as long as I want, all for $400. Now, here's the problem with that. These people, these companies, these Fortune 100 companies, these CEOs are going to put out your face in this commercial, right? for $400 and they're going to get to keep using it over and over and over to generate revenue for themselves, to drive drive profit for themselves. And you get nothing from that. You get absolutely nothing. They are taking advantage of us and it is not fair, but there's not so much we can do upset. We can all boycott together. So what happens again in this situation is that people who value their art, people who value their talents are going to say, no, I'm not going to let you use my image for a whole year, for more than a for more than a year, for a lifetime, right? But then there are people who are either new to acting or just so excited to have something, or maybe they really need the $400, right? Like, I can't blame you if you really need the $400. And they're going to say, yes, they're going to do it. Then what happens is that they will continue to put out these $400 auditions because now they know that people are going to accept $400. So there was no reason to pay $2,000. So do you see how that we drive the market down by accepting this kind of behavior? And so it's important for us to say, no, this is how much my talent is worth. Your talent is always worth what you believe it's worth. You do not have to give a COVID discount, okay? It is it is nowhere written that a COVID discount is necessary right now. Now, if you feel... Like somebody says to you, like, I only have this much budget 
or I'm putting on a show, but I can't fill the whole room because of social distancing. Sure. So my, my going rate to do, to do a private show usually is anywhere between $500 and a thousand dollars. Now you're telling me you're not going to be able to fill up the whole banquet room. You can only have half those people. So yes, maybe I'll work with you. I'll try to figure out, okay, what are you still going to charge those people? How much is it going to cost you to rent the room? And maybe I'll give you some sort of discount because you're not going to have a full room there. But at the end of the day, I was going to do 30 minutes for a thousand dollars. I'm still going to do 30 minutes in a in a, in a COVID time. So my time is still worth a certain amount of money. Does that make sense? So just because you can't fill the room with all those people, that's not my problem. My problem is, is that I need to get paid for the amount of work that I'm going to be giving you. So if I'm getting paid, like at my day job, right? Like say I'm getting paid $20 an hour. My boss isn't going to come in and say, Hey, Shereen, because of COVID, you were only serving, you were serving a hundred people uh, pre-COVID, and now you're only serving 50 people, so I'm going to have to cut your salary by half. That's not how it works, okay? Like, that's just not the way business works. So just keep that in mind. Like, they're not taking a cut in their salaries. You shouldn't be taking a cut in your salaries. So now, are there times when you can perform for free? Sure. It's always at your discretion. I'm not here to tell you not to perform for free. I'm just here to tell you, remember what you're worth. Remember that your talent is worth something. Think about all the hours you've put practicing. Think about all the hours you've put creating. Think about all the hours you put in that you could have been spending time with your friends or family, right? If you are given an opportunity to gain exposure in front of hundreds of people for free, well, then that's just an opportunity that someone is trying to take advantage of you. Okay. So this week I continue my conversation with Bob Sumner. Now we did the, we had a conversation that I shared with you two weeks ago on the last episode. And this is just a continuation of that because it was an hour and 45 minute conversation. And I didn't want to throw up the whole hour and 45 minutes two weeks ago, because I really wanted you to listen to the first episode and take away the takeaways and really just start implementing them in your life. And he gave some really helpful advice. He get, he dropped some, some gems a lot of knowledge. A um, couple things he talked about is like, how did he come up with the vision to create Deaf Comedy Jam? What does he look for in talent? And what is his advice to creative? So definitely go back and listen to that episode if you haven't already. Now, if you don't know who Bob Sumner is, I am obsessed with him. So you probably should know who he is by now. I had the pleasure of meeting Bob at the American Black Film Festival Something else that you guys should all plan on doing next year if they have the festival. Unfortunately, this year it was canceled and they held it virtually in July. Um, but hopefully next year it'll be back. And I really, really encourage you guys all to attend it. But I met Bob at the American Black Film Festival. I was part of the HBO Comedy Wings competition. And I can't thank Bob enough for what he's done with my career. And so I'm really excited to share with you his advice and what he's been up to. And really let him talk to you guys and share with you guys how to get ahead, how to how to pursue your creative talents, but be successful at it. And he, he dropped some amazing gems in this conversation. But Bob is, Bob is known as the co-creator of HBO's Russell Simmons Deaf Comedy Jam, a recognized force in the world of comedy and the man behind most comedy legends. With over 25 years of experience, Bob has discovered many of the top gifted comedians that have graced the stages and big screens around the world, including Kevin Hart, Bill Bellamy, Mike Epps, Dave Chappelle, Cheryl Underwood, Chris Tucker, Cedric the Entertainer, and Bernie Mac. Bob is the executive partner in Laugh Mob Enterprises, which has produced specials that have aired on Showtime, DirecTV, and On Demand. He is also the executive producer of Laugh Mob's We Got Next and Laugh Mob's Laugh Tracks. And so... What are we waiting for? Let's get started. Hey, 
it's me, Shireen. Sorry to interrupt. Creative Breakthrough listeners, are you enjoying this episode? If so, I have a quick favor. Could you leave us a review, whether on Apple, SoundCloud, or whatever platform you're listening from? It's a great way to pay it forward and let other creatives know about the show. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Okay, I'll get back to the original interview now. Thanks. Bye. So what advice do you have for creatives on their journey? Keep creating. Just keep keep stabbing at it. And, 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 and um, for comedians, keep writing, especially now. You know, but even when I look at like how laugh tracks got on television and things like that, take advantage of social media. Take advantage of putting something together, whether it's three minutes, 15 minutes. Look at Issa, Insecure. I mean, all of that has happened right on social media. And these are things that we didn't have back in the day when I was coming up in this business, you know, it was on the grind. And that's why I got to continue to be on the grind, Mm -hmm. you know, but that's what it is. It's all about believing in what you want to do straight up. So you're in Orlando? I am. Yep. Okay. How often are you getting around when you get back in it? Do you come up to the New York area? I do. I've, uh, I've had, I've had good luck getting into New York, Chicago, um, I haven't done LA as much as I would like, but yeah, mm. Toronto, I've done quite a few times. Um, so yeah, up there LA's so- not all, LA's not all, LA, ah, <laughs> LA is hit, hit and miss for me. When I, when I look at the climate of it and what they're, what they're doing out there, you know, but you, but you, I believe that you can work out there because you got something to say. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of them out there is just out there throwing it up in the air and seeing if what sticks, you know? So I was actually, let me know if you go that way. Well, yeah. So that was, it was actually in the plans. It was September of 2020. I was supposed to make a move. I hadn't decided though, LA or New York, I'm still like up in the air about it, but now I think that's going to be delayed because of this whole thing. Right. But either way, keep me posted on that. Okay. Do you have a, do you have any thoughts of where it's better to go? I kind of do. I kind of do. I mean, I think New York is New York stand up wise is the way to go. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, initially, initially, initially. And then you can always go to L.A. and, and you know, just figure out your, when you're going to L.A. and spend, you know, set up, set up before you go. But go and have people come out to see you and things like that. That's what LA is more for. But in terms of grinding and working it out, you know, yeah. And then when you finally do get to LA during those times, if somebody offer you, like you can be a regular at the store or something like that, that's what makes you want to stay. Right. You know what I mean? Other than that, you know? Yeah. Nope. But I, 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 I have no doubt that if you apply yourself in one of those two places it will happen for you because you have the talent Mm -hmm. you know what i mean you didn't just get to the comedy wings final just because you got there you know what i'm saying you had the talent to get there somebody's asking about the peppermint lounge back in the days the peppermint yeah the peppermint really the peppermint was the spot i mean it's, it's crazy because when, when, when we talk about 
like the beginning of Def Comedy Jam. Like right now, we're working out, um, we got some projects in the works, but one is really telling the story, not in a documentary form, but an actual like sitcom slash drama, like a dramedy somewhat of the peppermint. This place, the peppermint, everybody worked there. Cheryl Underwood drove from California to Orange, New Jersey, just to perform at the Peppermint wow. so she can get on Deaf Comedy Jam. And there's a story there that I'll talk about in the documentary about all of that. But there's a lot of people. Chris Spencer was just talking about the Peppermint. Said was talking about the Peppermint. Everybody talks about it. Everybody came through the Peppermint. So it, it, it was... Like everybody, Shaquille O'Neal and Queen Latifah, like that was the spot where they would hang naughty by nature. It was like they was in there, like OPP was brand new. Hip Hop Hooray was brand new. And they in there playing the record. DJ Corey was awesome, you know. So Bill Bellamy was my host. And when Bill went to MTV, uh, replaced him uh, with Mike Epps, you know. And you never know who was going to perform in, in the Peppermint. Then you had singers like Joe and Jaheem and Carl Thomas. They would just like sing with the band. And then it was the after party. And then there was food like oxtails. And <laughs> one time Michael Kaya bought my mother a whole coconut cake <laughs> from the place. So, yeah, the, the, the Peppermint was uh, the Peppermint was crazy. Word up. But you had to be funny. You you wasn't coming in the peppermint just messing around. You know what I mean? And then the next thing you know, you was on, on Def Comedy Jam. You know, my man Ice Cold, he's checking us out right now. And um, he was a heavyweight. He was a championship boxer mm -hmm. that used to come through. And he had belts. Wow. You know? Yeah. A little bit of everybody used to come in the peppermint. <laughs> Yeah, Wendy Williams. Wendy Williams used to come in here wilding out. It was crazy. <laughs> yeah, but um, when you was asking me about what did I want my legacy to be, again, you know, I had mentioned earlier when I was going down to Howard University and stuff, and I met John Johnson from Johnson Publishing. He just He just inspired me. He inspired me and as well as Barry Gordy. You know, when I look at the things that they've done, and it made me say that if there's something, one thing that I really want to do is I want to have an entertainment conglomerate. You know, I want to have a building where I can employ my friends and my family who have expertise in something you know, whether they're, you know, in the culinary arts, if they're into cosmetology, if they're electricians, if they're, you know, it's more to the entertainment business than just, you know, behind the camera or in front of the camera and, you know, have a studio there where they can create, make music. That's what I want to do. I want to have a building, call it Sumner Time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That would be dope, you know? But when I tell you that what I'm most excited about, I'm really excited to hear, because everyone knows that I, I listen to comedians live. 
I don't really watch footage, you know, maybe like with you, with the ABFF, you know, I would look at footage because it was a competition. But other than that, I, I like to watch live sets because that, that makes me feel like I'm right there. If you're nervous, you know, I don't need to be putting the cameras on you. Cause like, I remember when Lucille Ball and, and Jackie Gleason on their sitcoms, when they would do the commercials and they would get nervous and things like that, or Fred Flintstone, mm-hmm. I don't need you to do that. That's why I'm into like live, live performances. And I'm really looking forward to these new sets because everybody has to come with new sets right now. I mean, I don't even, I ain't checking for none of that. If I start hearing comedians talk about that old stuff, you know, unless I never saw them before, but anybody that I've seen before, you got, you can't take me back there. Not now. I know you got, you, you have to reset, you know? What else would you be looking for other than new material? Like as somebody in the audience, what else are you, what else are you hoping they bring to the stage or she? Just a, 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 an original pr- perspective on things. You know what I mean? I was uh, actually just having a conversation with somebody recently about um, years ago, I was up at a club um, in, in New York called the Crane Club. All right, I was actually up there with Russell and Q-Tip, right? And Kenny, Kenny, Kenny Lee, um, the our driver. Oh, um, Kenny Lee, the driver. Uh, we was riding, going downtown, and Tip asked Russell a question about what is it that makes him like choose an artist, and Russell couldn't have been more clearer than the same way I feel when I see a comedian. It's about originality. It's about seeing something that you never saw before. That's when you know that you saw it, mm-hmm. you know, not a, re, a, a reboot of someone else's set, you know, because sometimes I go to a comedy show and it's like, I've seen that guy just got screw his head off, put somebody else's head up there. You know what I mean? So yeah, that was one of the things. I just want to talk about you for a second about how funny you are, like you. as a stand-up comedian. And when you were a finalist in the um, the um, Comedy Wings competition, it's like, you know, you're down there in Orlando, Florida, but New York City and Los Angeles is really calling for you, Shereen. Yeah. And when you, when you get ready to make those moves, <laughs> let me know, because I'm not just saying this, you are mm-hmm. funny. You have, what it is is you're very, very intelligent. Like I could see you on the Daily Show. Oh my god! Seriously, like with Trevor. Dream. That is like really the dream. Yeah, I've 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 stalked him so many times. I've sent like packets. I just <laughs> lost. You know, we lost a um, a great comedian and a great friend recently, Angelo Lazada. Angelo was Trevor's uh, traveling act, his feature. Oh yeah. Okay. And if Angelo was still here, I would get off the phone right now and call him to tell him about you. Oh, okay. And and if somebody's listening right now that knows how to get to Trevor Noah, tell them that Bob Sumner, who has found many, many funny people, has one right here that Trevor Noah need to see. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be awesome. I actually had the privilege. It was funny. I did what you just did. I was in Cape Town this at this time last year performing in Cape Town. And every time I got on stage, I was like, if anyone here is related to Trevor Noah... <laughs> 
Call well, it, it happens. <laughs> it happens. Corey, Corey Bell from Chicago. She's an opening act for Monique. Mm-hmm. And she spoke it up. She spoke it into, you know, happening. Yeah. That's what I like about what I do. I never forget my brother, okay? My brother was promoting the shows, and he does. He's a promoter down in Florida, down on the, on the west coast of Florida. So, you know, we was doing shows with Mike Epps and Dominique and Bruce Bruce and them back in the day, Red Grant and all of them. So one day he had called me, and he was asking me who was, like, the next guy, right? And I was telling him about this one guy, and he had started going around asking them, you know, people. And the people was like, I heard of them, but this, that, and the other, right? Then my brother called me one day and said, Bobby, I should have just went on and did it, right? I said, I know, Kevin Hart's killing him now, huh? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was like crazy, but that's how it's always been. It's always been like that with me. It's like, I see them before, Mm -hmm. like, Everybody, when they marvel at Chris Tucker, you know, it's like there's this Chris Tucker story. There's a Mike Epps story. There's definitely a Bill Bellamy story, of course, and so many other ones. Ricky Smiley talks about it all the time, you know, and that's why I'm really, really into the next generation because it's really, really time. And here's something else. It's some women out here right now. It's like. I can name five women, I'm not gonna name them, but there's five women right now that are probably in my top 10 wow, right now. That's good, yeah. No, it's real. Yeah. I'm just looking I'm just looking for a platform for them. And that's why when we get back, like Kid Capri and I, we've been doing these showcases in, the, in Greenwich Village. You know, we're getting that vibe from when Pryor used to be in the village and when Jimi Hendrix would be recording in the village. We're creating that vibe because we want to bring comedy back to New York City Mm -hmm. because the energy that we had in Deaf Comedy Jam days are unmatched. When you look at the, on Kevin Hart's LOL, when you see the whole Deaf Comedy Jams, them audiences, those was no sound bites. That was all real. Right. You know, and even with your host, with the way Martin brought it. And you got to remember when Martin was our host, Nobody really knew who he was besides, you know, he was in house party and what's what's happening now. But Def Comedy Jam took him to a place where he never left, Mm -hmm. you know, so that's what's happening. What a great episode, right? Aren't you glad you listened to part two of this conversation? Just so many gems, gem after gem after gem. Bob is like one of the most, he's a genius. I mean, he his brain is always on. He's always coming up with new things. He's always working harder and harder and harder. So what are the key takeaways from this episode? Well, one, know your end goal or your legacy, which I thought was great. Like Bob, Bob knows what he wants. What Bob has an idea. He has a vision. And I think it's so important. You have a vision. You know what, what, what are you trying to pursue? What, where are you trying to get to in your life? What is the end goal? Two, keep creating, even if there's nowhere to perform. Again, like we've been talking about, there's COVID right now. Be safe, social distance, create the live performances will be there. They, they, they will be there in the future. They will come back. And so don't put your life at risk. But in the meantime, that doesn't mean to stop creating. Keep writing, keep creating, keep putting things out on social media. 
And lastly, speak your goals into existence. If you tell somebody your goals, you're more likely to go and accomplish them, or at least, at least attempt to accomplish them because now you've put it out there. Now somebody's holding you accountable, right? So, so tell your friends, tell your family, put it out there. You do not have to put it on social media. I do not share my stuff on social media because there's people on social media just waiting to rip you apart and make you feel inferior because they are insecure. And we can talk about how insecure people on social media can be sometimes when they are providing you negative feedback. But I will reiterate, it's just so important to put your goals out there make yourself accountable. If you need an accountability partner, if you need someone to to be there for you, to kind of help you, guide you, join our Facebook group. There's bunches of people who do everything from singing to dancing to podcasting to writing books. Um, and that's just funnybrowngirl.com forward slash Facebook. Or go to Facebook and search Creative Breakthrough Community and you'll find an entire community of creatives who are willing to be your accountability partner. Now, flex your creative muscle and keep winning. Thanks for listening. Stay connected about upcoming resources, including opportunities, festivals, competitions, and grants to help you grow your creative passion by subscribing to my bi-monthly newsletter by visiting funnybrowngirl.com forward slash subscribe. Don't miss out on a life-changing opportunity and subscribe today at funnybrowngirl.com forward slash subscribe. And hey, if you decide to go on Instagram today, follow me. I'm funnybrowngirl. I'm Shereen Kassam, and you've been listening to Creative Breakthrough. Now, go flex your creative muscle and keep winning.